Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'll call to order this meeting of the Astoria City Council for Monday, October 1st, 2018. Uh, roll call, Chief Spaulding. Councilor Mandelwell. Uh, she's excused. Councilor Brownson. Here. Councilor Price. Here. Councilor Jones. Here. Mayor Lemire. Here. Thank you. Uh, the first item we have is a proclamation. Is anyone here from the, um, the harbor? To accept the proclamation? No? Mm -hmm. Give me hold in case they're coming later. You can if you'd like. Mayor Lemire, I, I wasn't aware that this proclamation was going to be made, but I'm treasurer of the Harbor Board, and okay. I'd be glad to. Uh, Fine. Good. Thank you. Uh, whereas domestic violence impacts the health and well-being of our community, and whereas one in four women and one in 13 men will experience domestic violence in their lifetimes, and whereas exposure to domestic violence places victims in our community in danger of long-term physical, psychological, and emotional harm, and in some instances the violence has resulted in the victim's death, and whereas children who witness domestic violence are likely to suffer emotional harm. And whereas the city of Astoria is committed to reducing violence in homes and on the streets of Astoria. And whereas the city of Astoria encourages every citizen to play a role in preventing and ending domestic violence. Now therefore I, Arlene Lemire, mayor of the city of Astoria proclaim October 2018 to be Domestic Violence Awareness Month in the city of Astoria. And I urge all Astoria residents to work together to eliminate domestic violence in our town and to become aware of the resources and programs available to domestic violence victims. So if Pastor Bill will come forward, I'll give this to him on behalf. Thank you very much on behalf of the Harbor Board. Unfortunately, tonight the other directors are closing day for oh. uh, the, the costs of running that business far exceeded its revenues, and so I'm sorry they couldn't be here in person. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, reports of counselors. Uh, Councilor Jones? Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor. Uh, I haven't had time to summarize my legal pad full of notes from the League of Oregon Cities conference, but I'll just note uh, that uh, that it was a really valuable conference for me. Uh, the session all day long on uh, on housing on Thursday and the sessions on homelessness and on property tax were very illuminating, and uh, I'm going to be restudying those notes and using them as counselor in the future. So thank you. Okay. Councilor Price. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You know, it, it's, it's an odd, awkward, sad, sometimes frustrating, uh, and uh, also lightning time to be an elected official who's a lame duck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have empathy and sympathy for, for the many of us who are, uh, especially those of us like myself who have been uh, very active and assertive and aggressive and, and still want to get things done. So I ask of my fellow counselors, let's, let's still get some things done, whatever we can, as much as we can. Uh, we have, uh, we're a group uh, that has worked very diligently on 
on some very difficult issues and we're very close on some of them. And I think that if we push each other uh, hard that we can, we can get those things done over the next uh, few months. So, thank you. Thank you. Mr. Brown. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I will second uh, Councilor Jones' uh, comments about the LOC conference. It was a lot to take in. It was two and a half days. Um, this is the third conference I've been to. And they have always been informative, and it's always been good to touch base with a lot. There are a hundred other cities at least represented there uh, from around Oregon. And to hear and talk about our common issues and uh, to recognize that that story is not alone in, in all these things that we're de dealing with, whether it's housing, homelessness, um, development, it's happening everywhere. And uh, it's good with the bad. So, um, I particularly focused on urban renewal because we have an urban renewal project coming up on the west end of Astoria. So I spent a day uh, following that track and didn't understand what that is exactly. Um, and, uh, and then did some uh, work on Friday with some uh, uh, economic development seminars. And then Saturday morning, it was all about homelessness. And we had another four or five opportunities to listen to different uh, points of view and uh, direction on homelessness. I'd also like to say uh, thank you to the Lower Columbia Diversity Coalition. Uh, Sunday they had their, probably I think our first uh, candidates forum up there. We had uh, a couple of our mayoral candidates and uh, some counselors up there and they had to answer some interesting questions. So it was a good warm up. And be sure and attend, there is another candidates forum being sponsored by the UUAW, uh, AAUW, I keep doing that. Uh, and uh, it's Wednesday night at the high school, and I got a great opportunity to see who your candidates are. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, again, uh, the League of Oregon Cities Conference was very, very useful, and uh, Bruce and I both attended the full day on housing. Uh, because we realize how critical and what an important and integral part of the homelessness issue is getting housing. So um, it, there were lots of good, lots of good information. And uh, like like uh, Councillor Jones, I haven't had time to sit down and type it out and, and kind of put my thoughts into some cohesive form. But um, we hope to get together and kind of talk about it and then get with uh, 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 Mr. Estes and, and try to see what are, what, why don't we have some things uh, in place uh, for, for this uh, topic. The other thing on a more uh, fun side is that I got to go on the Grand Princess. You probably saw the huge ship that was out there, the huge cruise ship. So this is one of their plaques from that. Uh, these plaque exchanges are fun, although I think we're gonna have to build another wall somewhere to put, up, put them all up. I'm not sure what, what to do with them. Um, but um, it's, it, it's always fun to um, meet the, the captain and the crew of all these, they're from all over the world. And uh, uh, we had a, an extremely talkative guy from Australia 
<laughs> on the uh, on the Grand Princess. He really uh, kept us all very well entertained. Um, are there any changes to the agenda? No changes. Okay. Uh, the consent calendar is usually approved just in one uh, motion unless someone, a citizen, has asked to have an item removed. No request. Council has. Any council requests? Okay, could I have a motion, please? I move we approve uh, item 6A and 6B of the consent calendar. Second. Uh, roll call. Chief? Yes. <laughs> Councilman Brownson? Aye. Councilman Price? Aye. Councilman Jones? Aye. Mayor Lemire? Aye. Thank you. Okay, our first um, agenda item is a consideration of uh, findings on Appeal 1802. At the September 4th, 2018 Council meeting, the Council determined they were going to reopen the public hearing for the Astoria Co-op application at a special meeting would be, which would be held on September 24th. Uh, that meeting was conducted and an alternative layout and revised design was presented and tentatively approved by the city council and a motion was made to tentatively deny the appeal and to uh, bring findings back to tonight's meeting for consideration. The findings of fact were included in the memorandum for this case in your packet and their supplemental findings adopted by the Design Review Committee on June 7th and address the criteria raised in the appeal and the changes in design submitted by the applicant. Tonight, it's recommended that the council review the revised findings of fact and if in concurrence, deny the appeal and approve the revised design. Okay. Uh, council discussion? Is everybody still happy? <laughs> I'd like to move to deny the appeal request, um, AP 18-02. But you need to, okay. And that, what we still need to do. It's all in one, I think. It's all, all So, yeah, so, so we would be all in one motion. Okay. Um, I move that the Story City Council adopt the findings and conclusions contained in the staff report and deny the appeal by Barbara Bauer, Cheryl Story, John Ryan and approved the DR 17-03 request as revised. Second. Any discussion? Okay. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Done. Yes. Um, the City Council's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding by filing a notice of intent to appeal with the Oregon Land Use Board of Appeals, LUBA within 21 days after the City Council has made its decision. If an appeal is not filed with LUBA within the 21-day period, the decision of the City Council shall be final. Okay. Item 7B is a second reading for an ordinance modifying City Code 5.900 to 5.925. So the first reading of this ordinance was held at the September 17th City Council meeting, and this uh, was brought forward um, in that city can the city of Astoria is experiencing an increase in subjects using public locations to erect camping sites, and our city code does not address individuals building campsites in forested areas within the city limits. It does prohibit camping within areas such as parks, public rights of way, and parking lots. 
I would ask that Chief Spaulding come forward um, and discuss the process for uh, implementing this ordinance if it were adopted by council. And while he's coming forward, I would note that what is on the agenda for tonight is to consider whether to hold a second reading and to adopt the ordinance amending the city code section 5.900 to 5.925. So they're not the same. Well, thank you, and members of council, mayor, just following your police chief. So first off, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come forward and explain the process. And I will say that the process moving forward, if council does decide this evening to approve the second reading, that nothing has changed uh, since our intent uh, as of the first meeting when we brought this topic forward. Our plan is, again, if the council approves the second reading, would be to take this discussion to our Homelessness Solutions Task Force, and we already have the meeting planned and scheduled for next Monday afternoon. And during that meeting, our goal would be to assemble a group of individuals from various different social services sectors in the community and use them as a somewhat of a committee task force to assist us in uh, providing assistance to individuals that may be displaced as a result of removing some of the encampments up in the urban forest areas. The, this uh, humane approach uh, complies with the ORS section, applies with our department policies, and it's the right thing to do. The, the next steps at that point would be to post the 24-hour notice. Uh, it's in English on one side, Spanish on the other side. It's bright, it says 24-hour notice. And we've added a section on here now with uh, working in conjunction with class of community action that would give them a phone number and an address to go to if they don't have a phone to, to uh, seek some additional assistance if we post the site and if we hand this to personally. So our, our first goal would be after the notice is posted, again, it says 24 hours, that's simply what the law requires that we give them a minimum of 24 hours. We're not gonna rush back and watch our watches and 24 hours later we're gonna appear there and start kicking people out, that's not our plan. Um, I'll talk a little bit uh, in a minute here in terms of why we have asked for the uh, emergency exception to wait the third day period, but it's not because we're anxious to start kicking people out of, of some of these encampments. The, the notice, again, uh, would be to just to comply with a legal requirement. At some point, again, working with the task force, the main task force from our Homeless Solutions Task Force, would then go back and work with individuals to help them transition out of these surroundings. Our first choice, though, would be to work with the individuals who have set up these camps and allow them to remove all of their personal property, clean up their own camps, and then move on on their own, rather than using um, city resources and, or other types of uh, um, actions to get them to leave the property. So the, um, at the end of the day, if they're not willing to move on their own again using the resources from this little mini task force, then we would go up there using if we have available resources from the city public works to remove the trash that's left up there and we also remove the personal property which we would keep for 30 days and then the individual would be allowed to come claim that property as long as they came and claimed it within 30 days. I will say there's probably some situations where the extent of some of these encampments is, goes beyond the capabilities of our public works department and we might have to consider using a third party to <coughs> remove some of the, uh, the uh, rubbish. So um, 
again, moving on to some of the reasons that we've asked to have the 38 period way. And as I alluded to at the last meeting, uh, we talked about some of the public health and uh, safety concerns, such as needles, uh, condoms, human feces. Uh, fire department has concerns about uh, camping and cooking and potential for fires up in those areas. Um, but one of my, probably my biggest concerns is for the safety of individuals up in the uh, urban forest, not just um, people walking through you know, using the trails, but also for the individuals actually camping in those sites. Because we do know that uh, there is a fair amount of crime on crime amongst some of the homeless individuals that does go unreported. And also responding to those types of encampments. We don't have, it's hard to find the actual location. These are unimproved areas. There's no lighting. There's minimal communications. And any type of a call up into these areas would require at least a minimum of a two-officer response, and it would take them off the streets for an extended period of time when we have limited resources. Uh, so uh, again, those are some of the reasons that we felt uh, moving forward on this sooner than later. And again, we also talked about the weather. As the weather gets worse and the rains get uh, um, pick up, we're going to have a, more of a difficult time trying to remove some of the encampments. Okay, thank you, Chief. Um, I would like to do four things this evening before we begin the discussion. I want to reopen the hearing uh, so that the people who are here who want to speak to this issue have that opportunity. I would like to continue this item to October 15th meeting um, so that the Homelessness Task Force has time to look at what the repercussions are and what the solutions might be before we do anything. Um, I'd like Rick and Nell to be able to read their letter, and then I'd like Elaine Bruce, who is the director of uh, Classic Community Action, to respond to some of the points in your letter so that uh, those are clarified. Is this okay with the rest of the council? Uh, yes, ma'am, it's okay with me. Do you need a motion to continue uh, the item? We or? need a motion to, uh, let's see, I can reopen the hearing. Yes, we need a motion to continue the item to the next meeting. So I would move that we uh, continue this, if that's the right verb, continue this uh, matter until the 15th meeting. Second. Okay. Now, is that a, just, just uh, a vote? Let me ask this, though. If we continue it, before we have the public hearing and discussion, aren't we moving it off totally? Mm -hmm. Should we open the public hearing first and... Mayor's call on this. Just if you, I mean, if you wish to take action now and then open it up for comment. Oh, well, okay. Oh, well, if it doesn't make any difference, is okay. it the most yeah, I don't, floor, I, I don't think it makes any difference. But, but we can go ahead. Hmm. And, do you want to wait to vote? You mean until after? Okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter. I just was concerned that we're continuing it that it matter to the next meeting. Yeah. We're going to be still talking about I think that. it's continuing the decision to, whether to have the second reading sure. or not. Yeah. Okay. So <coughs> I see it. Okay. All those in favor of Aye. continuing Aye. this item? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Okay. Rick and Mel, if you will come forward and read your letter, please.
Thank you, Madam Mayor and Council Members for this opportunity. So um, this is a, a little lengthy, um, but I'll, I'll read it as quickly as I can. Oh, okay. Can you, could you give us your name and address? My name is Nell Moffitt. My address is 357 Commercial Street, Astoria. Can you hear me all right? Yes, thanks. Okay. Um, my husband Rick and I were surprised and disappointed by the article in Wednesday 9-5 a Daily Astorian by Katie Frankwitz. The article is about the meeting of the City Council to adopt an emergency ordinance to ban camping in the wooded areas outside of the central city area, especially targeting homeless people. We have been attending the meetings of the City's Task Force on Homelessness and do not recall hearing any discussion or recommendations supporting this action. While we acknowledge that many well-intended people are trying to solve this problem, what we have come to realize is that the problem of homelessness can be seen from two entirely different perspectives. The homelessness problem is actually two high-level problems seen from two different perspectives. Number one, the problem of being homeless and trying to survive. This includes the lack of affordable housing, limited access to social services, receiving tickets when trying to find shelter in the downtown area, locked public bathrooms, finding shelter to survive rain and cold weather conditions, and more. Number two, the problem that others have about the presence of homeless people in Astoria. This includes the health and sanitation issues that can be related to sleeping in doorways, sleeping on sidewalks, camping, unsightly people, bad image for tourists, garbage, panhandling, and more. Members of the task force were on uh, Homelessness Solutions Task Force were appointed by the mayor and the police chief was appointed to chair the meetings. We have attended several of the mayor's Homelessness Solutions Task Force meetings starting in 2017. And our general takeaway <coughs> is that finding ways to meet the needs of homeless people is a long-term problem with no easy solutions. There appear to be no homeless people serving on the task force, although occasionally we, we have seen one or two homeless or formerly homeless people present at the meeting. Mm. This is the region's second task force on homelessness, as far as we're aware. The report from the prior task force, Clatsop County 10-Year Plan to End Homelessness, 2012 to 2022 by the Clatsop Homeless Coalition developed a plan to address homelessness. The 2012 report cites statistics estimating 653 homeless individuals countywide. The same data source documents an increase of the homeless population to 682 um, in 2017, which is a 4% increase, halfway along to the 10-year plan to end homelessness. From our perspective, the 2012 10-year plan made solid recommendations. The coalition identified action items within the areas of discharge planning, systems of care, housing opportunities, keys to housing, performance measures, emergency response, recommendations for state attention, employment and income, and coordinated entry. For example, in the areas of keys to housing, an action item was, quote, educate landlords and property management companies about housing <coughs> special needs and vulnerable people, 
including peer dialogues among landlords who have housed riskier tenants with other landlords who may be interested, end quote. In the area of emergency response, an action item was, quote, define warming stations as an emergency response that uses exis existing resources such as churches or schools and does not direct housing resources to temporary solutions. Existing buildings will not need to be financed and constructed, end quote. Sixty concrete action items were recommended. From our understanding, none of these were tackled except on a piecemeal fashion. As an example, while the coalition discussed the need for code changes, Astoria's development code still does not include a warming center in any of the city's zones. Thus, the existing Astoria Warming Center, a nonprofit, is required to apply yearly for a conditional use permit instead of focusing solely on their stated mission, which is, quote, to prevent unsheltered people from dying of exposure in Astoria, end quote. This, is only, this only existing warming center in Astoria has the capacity to house up to 30 individuals per, per night, or 35 in an emergency, for a maximum of 90 nights per year. While the Planning Commission was making some progress on amending the code, that effort is now on hold due to a redirection from the City Council to higher priorities. What has happened to the Coalition's 10-year plan? Not much. Apparently, the group decided not to use it. The group, meaning the uh, task force on homelessness, decided not to use it as a jumping off point when the mayor's 2017 Homelessness Solutions Task Force first convened. Instead, they started from scratch. The general consensus of this group seems to be that the, the problem of homelessness is extremely complex and difficult to solve and will take time. Given the practice of writing tickets for sleeping in public and now making changes to the city ordinance prohibiting camping in the woods, there appears to be little political will to address the problem of being homeless and more concerned about the existence of homelessness people in Astoria. But perhaps another task force could come up with more solutions. While solving the problem of being homeless seems insurmountable in the short term, if we shift the perspective, we can see some action. For this side of the overall problem, the city can call it an emergency and act quickly. In a memo from Police Chief Spaulding to the City Council dated September 11th, Chief Spaulding recommended that the council consider a first reading of an amendment to City Code 5.900 to 5.925 relating to camping in public places and that the ordinance take place immediately following the second reading. The first meeting of the proposed change to City Council occurred on September 17th at the City Council meeting. So here is the sequence of events as we know them. Okay. At some point, city leaders, police chief, and city manager became aware of camps of homeless people in the wooded areas at the outskirts of Astoria. On Tuesday, 9, September 4th, city council meeting um, reviewed the 
the agenda and we reviewed the agenda and couldn't find any mention of an item to discuss camping homeless. But according to the Daily Historian, the city manager and police informed the council about the problem at this meeting. Then the next day, Wednesday, September 5th, in the Daily Historian, reporting on this meeting, Katie Frankowitz wrote, quote, they want to dismantle the camps and clean up trash before fall rains and winter storms hit, but worry about displacing people who are already struggling, end quote. The city council wants homelessness task solutions task force to, quote, link people with services and housings, end quote. Uh, however, this group doesn't meet again until October 8th, which happens to be after the date of the second reading of the proposed change to the city ordinance. Are these two actions even consistent? The police, quote, tagged the sites they found with 24-hour notices, end quote. If the police already have a tool, clean up notices, why the rush to outlaw camping? What about providing trash cans and, uh, and collection? The city already provides public trash cans in public areas and could extend this service where needed. City manager, quote, informs city council of the situation at the meeting Tuesday night, end quote, although it is not listed as an agenda item. Quote, city councilor Cindy Price asked that the city talk to county officials about possibly establishing a camping spot or tiny home type village near a bus line, end quote. Will kicking the problem to the county solve the problem? And can they solve it by fall? Quote, and Price brought up a point that has also troubled police. If you move people, where do they go? Without an established site for people to stay, Price said the city will just move people around on the endless chessboard, end quote. One homeless individual has said that he would just move deeper into the woods. He has no other place to go. Quote, nobody wants to move these individuals out of this area, Spalding said of the Astoria camps. Police want to do the right thing and take a humane approach by moving slowly involving social services and looking for ways to transition people to different housing arrangements, end quote. While we appreciate this sentiment, the statement is not consistent with the goal to remove the camps by fall, nor with the apparent urgency for passing an emergency ordinance. Both of these actions are taking the approach of getting rid of the homeless people rather than finding solutions to the condition of their homelessness. Given the consensus at the host meetings that the affordable housing shortage will take a long time to solve, apparently there is now justification for more drastic police action to remove the homeless, and somehow this will be slow, humane, and inspire social services and landlords to co cooperate. We believe this is the wrong tool to use in spite of good intentions. Quote, we're not talking about arresting anybody. We're not talking about issuing citations, Spalding added. We're simply talking about removing the encampments from the city property for a variety of reasons. Some of them include fire hazards, public health, and safety issues in terms of needles and trash and human feces, end quote. How will the police remove the encampments? If they're not issuing citations, why do we need this ordinance? When we know that the police have acknowledged that the homeless have no other place to go, what do they expect will happen? 
What makes this a matter for the police, since making new ordinances does not provide any solution? And what about the need for the homeless to have shelter for the coming winter as a matter of survival? Quote, we want to be sensitive to this and not just displace human beings, Spalding said. How does one sensitively, end quote, how does one sensitively remove a homeless camp when you know there are no adequate places for these people to go? Quote, in August, law enforcement in Clatsop County went only two days without receiving a call or initiating a call about a homeless camp or someone camping in a car. Most days there were several calls. Higher security and neighbors of Columbia Memorial Hospital frequently report possible camps or suspicious comings and goings near hospital buildings, end quote. So this issue is not new, and the police have been aware of these camps for some time. Why is there an emergency now? Quote, Kenny Hansen, the historic police department's homeless liaison officer, estimates that he knows nine out of every 10 people camping in the woods. When he went out to survey the camps with Spalding on Friday, he called out the names of the people who lived there as he approached their tents. Hello, it's Kenny, he called each time. End quote. Kenny has established personal relationships with most of the homeless people. He has, there, has there been any effort to include them in addressing the problems with the camps. Quote, the offenses they're guilty of are low level and the police aren't interested in making arrests. But if camping continues, the messes left behind could go beyond the city's resources to clean up, end quote. This argument doesn't make any sense. Messes are, quote, left behind only when the homeless are forced to move. Why would the homeless leave the place clean when they are being kicked out? If the city is responsible for cleaning up the mess left behind, why didn't, didn't the city find a way to provide a dumpster or cans close to the site where the camp was inhabited? The Park Service regularly solves this problem in isolated areas. If trash and sanitary conditions are the issue, let's address those issues instead of re-moving, as in move again, the homeless. Tuesday, September 17th, City Council meeting. An agenda item was the first reading of the proposed no camping change to city code. Minutes from the September 4th City Council meeting were not approved at this meeting, so we didn't have any uh, public copy available. Therefore, the only information we have is from the Daily Historian. Quote, as used in this ordinance, camping does not include sleeping outdoors by homeless individuals with no access to alternative shelter, so long as any tent, shelter, and all other personal items such as sleeping bags, tarps, and mats are removed from the site without 24 hours of proper notice." End quote. So the problem is solved if the homeless shuffle every 24 hours? Quote, Violation of this ordinance is a class 8 infraction as defined by ORS 153.310, end quote. The only information that we could find about ORS 153.310 is that it was repealed in 1999. And there's some uh, 
website's references. Quote, the city council finds that the unauthorized camping within the city presents issues related to the health and safety of its citizens and therefore adopts this ordinance to meet an emergency pursuant to section 8.3 of the Astoria City Charter. This ordinance shall become effective as soon as it is adopted, end quote. Why is this an emergency all of a sudden? And what problem does this ordinance solve? Wednesday, September 18th, the Daily Astorian, quote, we're not just saying, get out of here, City Councilor uh, Tom Brownson said. We're trying to do it in a reasonable and humane way, end quote. So in effect, we are saying, get out of here nicely. <laughs> quote, Police Chief Jeff Spaulding agreed, the hope is to deal with camping issues but have a minimal impact on the people camping, he said. However, there are concerns with some of the camps where trash is piled up or where other health and human safety issues might exist, he added, end quote. How is depriving people of shelter, security, and perhaps survival a minimal impact? This does not solve the problem, it just removes it. If the problem is trash, then we need to address the trash problem. This involves a different city department and not the police. <coughs> Quote, Spalding is working with city attorney Blair Henningsgaard to figure out exactly where the ruling touches on Astoria's ordinances. The court's ruling was nuanced, Spalding said. Much of it was specific to Boise and may not apply to Astoria. Illegal camping was considered a misdemeanor in Boise. In Astoria, it is only an infraction and not considered a criminal act, end quote. Actually, in a Los Angeles case in 2006, Jones versus the city of Los Angeles, Judge Ward Lavoie, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals wrote, quote, the Eighth Amendment prohibits the city from punishing involuntary sitting, lying, or sleeping on public sidewalks that is an unavoidable consequence of being human and homeless without shelter in the city of Los Angeles." End quote. Cities have been trying to wiggle away from this no sleeping, like no sleeping in RVs in Gearhart, for example. But to say it's only an infraction, with presumably a fine, and not a citation, is irrelevant when the judge in the LA case clearly said, quote, the Eighth Amendment prohibits the city from punishing, end quote. An infraction and potential fine is punishment. In this case, the city reached a settlement among the parties and the opinion was vacated. But that does not change Judge Wardenhoff's statement about his application of the Eighth Amendment. In conclusion, I think we all recognize that this issue is complex with no simple solutions. Many cities have struggled with this problem for years, including kicking the can down the road. The current task force has many of the key people of Astoria who each have a piece of the solution and who are collectively able to look at the issue from both perspectives. While the process is slow, it is a more collaborative one which will include multiple agencies, strategies, and services to meet the needs of the homeless as well as the city. 
The only emergency here is how the homeless will be situated to face the approaching winter. What we do not want is to declare a political emergency and rush through changes to city code that do not really address the problem of being homeless and seem more to be addressing the problem with homelessness. Our desire is for our story to support all the people involved while finding longer-term solutions. For example, instead of telling people where they can't live, tell them where they can live, at least until there are better options. Perhaps mark off accessible locations on city property for camping and provide trash service and portable sanitation facilities. Leave these campgrounds in place until longer solutions are implemented. We need workable solutions to the real problems with Chief Spaulding identified as, quote, fire hazards, public health, and safety issues in terms of needles and trash and human feces, end quote. We could also include the homeless in the conversation of possible solutions. Whatever the direction, we are requesting city leadership. Whatever the direction, we are requesting city leadership to do their part in offering win-win solutions. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, and I want to commend you for your very complete um, report. There are several things that I think probably the council would like to respond to, uh, and then uh, if, if Elaine will come up after that. But uh, councilors, uh, any comments before we have Elaine Bruce come up? Um, one, one item that you mentioned was uh, while the Planning Commission was making some progress on amending the code, that effort is now on hold due to a redirection from the City Council to higher priorities. Uh, the Planning Commission doesn't do that. It's the City Council that, and, and also the 90 nights per year is a state directive. It's not something that we have any say over. Um, also, the reason that this whole thing came up, or why, why we needed to um, act on this ordinance, was that we had nothing in our code that said anything about public lands. So we had all these other things that said public parks, public this, public that, nothing about public lands. So it wasn't as though we're, we were trying to throw them out of the woods, but we did need to, to get this into our code, that the, the code also uh, is, it includes all of the city's city-owned lands. So, um, and it, you asked, why is there an emergency now? Um, again, I think it was a matter of getting this code, getting this ordinance into code or getting, including uh, public lands. It's not, uh, that it was a particular emergency, although the number of camps that have arisen in the woods uh, have raised issues about uh, public safety. Uh, there are a lot of people that hike in the woods. Uh, there are a lot of people who, uh, well, it's just, it, it's become an, an, an untenable um, situation. Um, 
the you mentioned finding a way to put dumpsters or cans closer to the site of a lot of these places, and I think I'll, I'll defer to the chief, but I think they're way back in the woods, and there really isn't any way to collect garbage back there. Um, and I know at one point when when the chief uh, went in there to clear out things, and it was public works, uh, uh, Mr. Harrington went into those woods. It was, what, 500 pounds of garbage that they had to haul out. So it's not, an, it's not a small amount. <laughs> and it's not the, always the people that are leaving. It's the people that are living there that are creating the, um, the garbage. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? I think that's the only thing that only things that I wanted to say um, before we have um, Elaine Bruce come up from Class uh, of Community Action. Mayor and um, City Council, Ben and Councilwoman Rice. Um, I'm Elaine Bruce. I'm the executive director of Clatsop Community Action. I've been in this position since February of 2015. <clears throat> I wanted to provide some perspective to um, the, the letter in, that Nell and Rick took a considerable amount of time in putting together, and I really appreciate that. Um, it did talk about the 10-year plan to end homelessness that was uh, developed uh, with a um, very coordinated group effort with the uh, Corporation for Supportive Housing, which is a national best practice um, group that looks at homelessness uh, nationwide. And there was a meeting in um, Redmond, Oregon, or Bend, Oregon. And this is before my time. And I was reviewing the coalition recommendations. And I just wanted to state that um, the plan that they executed in 2011 um, still stands as best practice. And I wanted to comment on the progress that the city of Astoria and the um, Clatsop County has made with those recommendations that came forth in 2011. So um, it did divulge a plan. Um, certainly plans can change over time and get modified. But there was some really good stuff that came out of that. Um, and I believe that, um, that uh, Chief Spaulding and Arlene LaMare and Cindy Price had reviewed that. And I just wanted to comment, we are on the right track in a number of things. Um, homelessness is incredibly, incredibly um, complex. We see it every day at uh, Clouds of Community Action, where we have uh, four case managers who work with people who drive up in their cars and they have whole families um, that are um, living in their car. Um, they come from all um, states. You may get somebody who needs just a temporary assistance request to people who need a tremendous amount of work um, to get them housed. And we take them as they come, and we see all things, and it's not easy. 
we have to be extremely uh, creative. Um, one of the things that the um, recommended plan from 2011 recommended was um, um, cultivate private landlords to rent to homeless and low-income individuals and families and have them case manage. We have had tremendous success with doing that. Um, it's built over time with our uh, case managers and myself responding to the needs of the landlords and we've done an incredible amount of work to achieve those types of relationships. This week we were able to house a veteran who was single and was sleeping in um, an outdoor porta potty. He had a lot of infections and we took care of his medical needs and got him in a one room, what they call a single room occupancy, otherwise known as an SRO. Um, we see the most complex cases of incredible amounts of barriers that are needed. So we take them as they come and we work with them. So um, we have established excellent landlord relationships with those that we really need to advocate for who will bend the rules a little bit to help us house these people. I would say that's a tremendous amount of, of success um, that we've done. The other thing that is mentioned in this report is to work with the cities and the county to change development codes to enable more affordable housing to be developed, update formal housing production plans, using green technology, change zoning requirements to enable <coughs> more affordable housing to be developed. We're working on that, as is the city, um, every week. Um, working with governmental agencies and private developers to donate surplus land for affordable and special needs housing. We were able to work with the county to um, take over a property in Alderbrook neighborhood that was located at 51st and Birch. And we took that house and we um, uh, removed seven dumpsters full of garbage and we were able to turn it over. We put it on the market and we sold it. Our plans are to use the funding for that uh, revenue to work for an affordable housing project in conjunction with community action team or partner in St. Helens. So that's another thing that was recommended. Um, apply for HUD housing funding for returning veterans and people with disabilities. We currently have four HUD supportive housing um, contracts. They're extremely difficult and competitive to achieve. Um, we just received our fourth one that will begin in July 1 of 2019. We received our third one that started July 1 that works to um, house um, homeless youth ages 18 to 24. Since that um, grant was achieved in July 1, we've housed four for homeless youth. Um, I want to say that um, we are, are steadfast and we stay in conjunction with all the state and federal housing meetings as they come up. Every um, community, as I think Arlene Lemire has mentioned, um, and I think she was referencing uh, a visit to Eugene, things have changed. The, the, 
the milestones change, and um, we have to work and be very flexible, following best practice plans. But we have to work with what we know and stay steadfast in learning what other communities can do to overcome these incredible um, challenges with the homeless. And certainly, the camps that Nell and Rick were referring to is a new one. You know, we didn't have that. Um, five or six years ago. We didn't have that. So now we have to change our plan, but we do have a plan. Um, I think we're doing an excellent job. Um, the other piece was uh, to support expansion of existing drug court program and encourage creation of similar behavioral treatment court programs, including the mental health court. I think we have that in place. Um, I work very closely with uh, Cindy Mateas in her drug court program. We work with the um, Oregon um, Department of Employment. They have a contracted entity called ResCare that works with um, people that have felons and have criminal pasts and to try to work and get them employment. They are great partners of uh, CCA. They're brave and they're looking for referrals all the time. They're always asking, you know, we need more referrals. We would love to be able to work with them. Another success is um, um, established protocol to allow information sharing among service providers. We have a monthly meeting called the inline meeting that happens every month that's facilitated by CCA. <clears throat> because the um, community service providers, our services and what we offer change it's an opportunity on a weekly basis to network with all the other service providers and share information, um, talk about what we can do with some very difficult um, cases, how we can come to some solution. Um, provide emergency um, support services that stabilize people into permanent housing situation. Um, we're open for business. If there are any um, people that um, Kenny Hansen and Jeff Spalding would refer to us, we're open for business. We work extremely well with the police department, and I think that's an invaluable um, connection to have law enforcement connected. They are very strong on protocols. Some of the other uh, service uh, providers may not be as um, succinct with their protocols. The law enforcement is, and we're very, very dependent on them for our success. Um, address stigma of people that have criminal background and in reentry um, employment um, histories. Um, we worked um, hard with the Helping Hands, the reentry project at Uniontown, and also in the Seaside area. They are part of our continuum of care and that we work with them on a continuum. They'll house people where we can't immediately house people because it takes a lot of time to assess people's needs, put together a coordinated um, assessment on all the needs a particular homeless person or family may need, which could be educational, medical, and mental health. But they are there to work with us to um, be ready to give them a um, place to stay, a safe place, We'll pick up the next piece and we'll work with them to um, get them into um, permanent, supportive, and safe housing. Um, 
So I just want to say that there's, there are a lot of challenges, but there are a lot of good things happening right now at, um, in Astoria and with CCA in Clatsop County. And we just want to um, highlight those that we're, we're ready for business and we're ready to help anyone that comes through our door. Thank you very much. Um, does anyone else wish to speak to the issue? Do you want me to come up there? Yes, please. Uh, you need to state your name and address. Yes, ma'am. <coughs> My name is Robin Kyla. I'm a 57-year-old disabled woman, homeless in Astoria. Is anybody else homeless here? I am. I have tried to get on your task force for a long time, and no one has returned calls. I don't understand that. Now my issue tonight, I am very grateful. You have no idea. I have been beat up on these streets, attacked, domestically abused. You have no idea. But I am a survivor. I know the people camping out in those woods. I know everyone in this town. I have degrees, triple majors, Lake Forest College. Almost got my master's in early childhood education, when, except we moved to Oregon in 95 to save my daughter's education. I am training to be an attorney, a constitutional attorney. Now, my one issue is a very simple one that I came to this meeting about. I had no idea these fabulous people who are speaking the truth would be here. The public restroom was taken away on 6th. I am a disabled, I am chronically, chronically disabled now as a result of a little over a year being homeless in Astoria. I belong to Open Door. I have flex funding through OHP. I'm on a program. I was identified. Anyway, my one issue is the bathroom. The porta john on 6th. That's the bathroom I use to go to the bathroom. I'm in a truck. And I can get there closely when I don't have a lot of gas. And that bathroom was removed. I would like to know when it will be returned. Because I believe homeless people have three rights. They have rights. We have a right to shelter food, medicine, and bathroom facilities. And as a disabled woman, a disabled person, federally disabled, I require a bathroom in the middle of the night so that I don't have to defecate on your streets. So the police chief has helped me. Betsy Johnson, Senator Betsy Johnson, speaks to me on my phone and is working on my housing. I did not know that all this housing was available through Clads of, you know, they're trying to get it through me, through, uh, through the OHP Plus, through the managed care, all of this, and yet I'm out looking for my housing. I have temporary funding for temporary housing. If I'm on these streets again, I will die this winter. Three bouts of pneumonia, no, two bouts, three bouts of bronchitis, two of pneumonia, almost died 
I had to go south in May because I got my second bout of pneumonia. I am 57 years old. I had the shots. In that warming center, I got so many disease and attack, but that's a whole nother story. I'm a woman who speaks my mind. I speak my truth. And that gets me in trouble sometimes with the homeless. Oh, trust me. But I know who's out there and what they're doing. And I'm just trying to survive. And homelessness is crisis. It is, now there are some, the train hoppers and those that come and go, they like to travel. It's crisis. Chewy, we know Chewy standing outside that market, big, large man, what I call the avenging angel. Now he's housed up, bless, thing, bless God. Anyway, he sat in my truck one night and told me how homelessness is crisis. I went into crisis when my sister in Warrant, my sisters in Warrington killed my dog when I was away, kicked me out without notice and put a restraining order on me that I couldn't respond to because I was in the hospital in Portland. So that was crisis. But again, I rise up. I am a woman who prays. And I pray a lot in this city. I go right over there. You see me drumming and praying over there. Because ultimately, that is what helps me. And I have connected to all the services. So anyway, I'm very grateful this is bringing to the forefront. But the Constitution is the Constitution. And the Eighth Amendment is the Constitution. And when that federal judge ruled in Idaho, Mm-hmm. City ordinances are some one thing. But sleep deprivation, knock, knock, knock on my window, move your truck. Sleep deprivation is a crime, according to The Hague. It's an international crime. So don't sleep deprive me. Anyway, that's, that's all I have to say. And I would like to be on the task force. I've missed some of the meetings. I'm sorry for that because I run around. And don't think homeless people don't work. I work all day long to get services, to stay well because I have PTSD. And when I'm attacked, beat up, of which the DA didn't charge, hmm, um, it takes me a while to get over that. I go to therapy, I'm 34 years clean and sober in NA and AA. I go three times a day sometimes to avoid having to go to the psychic, the respite center. You know, so, and people that I do not, Try to get anybody sober or clean. I'm an example. That's all I try to be. So I am grateful to have this opportunity to speak. I am grateful to you and him. And I am so grateful. Thank you. And I'm grateful to the chief. Because when I have problems, I call him. And he gets things, he takes action. So I'm grateful for the police force too. That is all I have to say. Thank you. Uh, I just do want to mention that we have invited the homeless to come to speak to our uh, task force on, on several occasions. Uh, so you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome to come. Uh, uh, we we the, you don't get a vote because the people that have been on the task force for the long period of time have the the background and so forth in what we're doing and so that, but you're certainly welcome to come and speak. I have a background in living at 80, so I think my perspective would help. I think Perhaps. it does count, of course Perhaps. it does. Thank you. Okay, anyone else? Rick? Well, thank you. Rick Bowers, 357 Commercial. And uh, I appreciate 
slow down, and that's what I heard you say at the beginning of this, and that's actually why we wrote the letter, just trying to slow things down a little bit. And I just really wanted to emphasize that, that we recognize that there's a problem. It's just that we would like a win-win solution out there. So you know, one suggestion was in the letter of setting up a place where they can go and provide the services so that we don't have the problems. Um, I guess the other thing I wanted to point to is uh, I find it odd, really, that I can't find the penalties that, that the code points to, this 153.310. I've got some that I think are right, but I think it's strange to you know, rush through the code. Just, just one quickly on that. I, Thank you. I, I, I noted the same thing when I was looking at the ordinance and um, I contacted, <coughs> well, I talked to our city manager about that because I found the same thing you did. Okay. And so they've done some research and, and it, you know, the statute is removed, it's kind of shifted around and it was finding where it was and we're going to incorporate that. In so the, it will be incorporated so we can see what that will fix the things really going. Okay, so anyway, the, the idea of my request was just to slow down and try to find a win and solution. Oh, can I extend just a little bit? I appreciate hearing all of the things that are being done. I did just want to revisit the changes to the city code. We were at that uh, thing on Sunday where the very various people running for various offices spoke. And I appreciate Bruce Jones saying that there had been code changes proposed to increase density at the various levels and that the council has rejected this. So that's my takeaway that, that you know, code changes were proposed but not enacted. So it's still, I guess I don't want people kicked out until there's a place for them to go and it's a long term before there's a place for them to go. Thank you. Um, I might mention too that uh, Helping Hands is opening that their facility uh, sometime this month and uh, that is going to house 69 homeless people. Um, Actually they're moving the folks from Seaside here. But they so don't have 69 people. I get that, but yeah. there's a lot of people. But there will be a total so of, of 69 people that will be housed, and that includes, uh, I believe, two family units that are available. Um, they have a fine commercial kitchen, uh, and Helping Hands is, is dedicated to providing wraparound services, and this is one of the problems with like a warming center where people come in and they get a meal and then and, and place to sleep and then they're out on the street again. Uh, Helping Hands does provide uh, mental health services. They'll get, help them get to uh, class of behavioral health. Uh, they'll help them to try to get an ID because that's often a big problem for the homeless. Uh, find their birth certificate if they can find if they can help them to get that um, uh, housing um, job training uh, they're they're going to be trying to do all those things for the homeless that are that are there so uh, I, I think we I, I'm excited about their coming here I think that's a, a step in the right direction 
Um, we have, you know, we the city had hoped that next door, the, the building next door, the Waldorf Hotel, would be uh, available for um, units for affordable housing. Uh, because of some state uh, situations, that's being delayed. But, um, so it's not because the city is, doesn't want to do something, believe me, we do. Uh, but, but in many cases, our hands are tied as well. And um, so, just so you understand, we're not just sitting on our hands doing nothing. Okay, anyone else? Yes. Uh, hi, thank you. My name is Bruce Williams, um, 15 year locker room in Eastville, Washington. Um, I'm on the board of the Warren Center. Uh, I wanted to basically just um, add one more emphasis to something that I know Rick has said that um, Elaine is, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, and, then, and I really appreciate the um, rundown of all the services that are provided, that's, that's terrific. Um, one of the things that um, I know is coming up with this camping ordinance is to clean up the area and take care of the problems that are there. And I really appreciate Chief Spaulding's um, his, his, his humane, interest. You know, I really I can feel it that he cares. And, and Chief, I really do appreciate that. I know that that spreads throughout the force as well when it's led that way. Um, and it makes a difference. However, I'm concerned that if we do institute this <coughs> without the actual requirement that there be an alternate site available for people, that it is going to be, just as Nell said in her letter, you know, to remove people on a potentially 24-hour basis all the way again. I appreciate that you're not going to rush in on the 24-hour notices, but you know we all know that at some point, if you don't enforce something, it will grow. People naturally <coughs> take advantage of the situation, and so it makes sense for us to um, rather than say, "Well, we're going to give you 24-hour notice, and then sometime in the future we'll take care of this or we'll move you on." We should, before we give those 24-hour notices, provide the opportunity for keeping things clean and sanitary and develop some other, perhaps, camping place where it could be um, somewhat self-regulated by some of the homeless people that are there and help to clean it up and keep order. It's not a, a great solution, but I simply um, want to ask you to please consider adding into this ordinance a requirement to have an alternative solution. So that's all. Thank okay, thank you. Anyone else? Well, I think this has been a, a very helpful discussion and we will continue this to the um, October 15th meeting and uh, in the meantime we're, we'll have a, a host meeting, the, the uh, Homelessness Task Force meeting on the 8th, so we'll be discussing uh, alternative ways to handle uh, where they're going to live, because it's, it's definitely a concern for everyone. So th thank you all for, for uh, being involved in it. Uh, the next item then is uh, an agreement renewal of Plattsburgh County for access to net pens.
So in 2010, the city leased the city-owned gut club dock to Plaxit County's fisheries management program to access and maintain their salmon rearing net pens for the Young's Bay Terminal Fishery. This agreement was updated in 2013 to include a provision for cost sharing after a winter storm damaged the dock and walkway, and the city and council worked together to obtain a grant to make those repairs. The agreement uh, in 2013 was for five years and is now in need of renewal. The 2000 updated agreement also added a first right of refusal provision for Plattsburgh County to have consideration of acquisition should the city decide to sell the property. Included in this packet is a draft lease agreement for council consideration. It includes the same right of refusal language as noted, and the agreement would extend the lease for five years, expiring in 2023, and it may be renewed for two consecutive five-year terms as spelled out in the agreement. So it's uh, recommended that council authorize renewal of the agreement with Clatsop County for dock access to the net pens at the old Yacht Club building, which is also, I would note, the Estuary Recreation Center. Okay, council discussion? Motion. Um, I'd like to move uh, that we renew the agreement with Classic County for access to the net pens at the Astoria Recreation Center. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Okay, the next item is a proposed lease with the Port of Astoria for a portion of the Maritime Memorial. Um, Council, I would note this is actually kind of a, a minor item on the agenda, but I mean, I'd say it's actually something that we've been working on for some period of time. It's something, uh, I would say it's something to be uh, happy about. Happy about yes. Yes. Yeah, that the city and port staffs have been discussing a new lease for the portion of the Maritime Memorial that's on port property. That's the western part of the memorial. The prior 25-year lease expired in 2017. The new lease is for one dollar per year and will secure the property and allow the city to expand the memorial and uh, there is a desire by the maritime memorial committee to get going on that and uh, we'll be working uh, with that committee uh, to re-engage on that on that process so tonight it's recommended that city council approve the lease agreement i attended the board commission meeting on the 19th and uh, they were very supportive of this project <coughs> Yeah, I'd just like to thank the port um, for, I think this is just a good indication of how the city and the port can work together. Um, we have a lot in common, we have a lot of overlap, and the need for us to have a good working relationship is really important. And, and historically, um, there have been some issues, some problems, but I, I think at the moment we're in a good place, so thank you. And I'd like to uh, make a motion to uh, Accept the proposed lease with the Port of Astoria for the portion of the Maritime Memorial. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Um, liquor license application. Okay. A liquor license has been filed by. And Eunice, please, please make sure I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't butcher. Uh, it's why I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too for the Eunice Chueche Goldstein Winery, and this winery is proposed um, in uh, a site to be located at 1014 Commercial Street uh, Suite A. 
Uh, the various departments have reviewed the application and the building division for the community development department has noted that the space proposed for the winery necessitates further review before occupancy be granted, but no objections to granting this, lesson, this liquor license were noted and it's recommended the city council consider this application tonight. I move we approve the application. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> as long as we don't have to spell your name, or your name as part of the uh, approval. Okay. Yeah, thank you for your good work on uh, Flint, Michigan. I think exposing that is thank you. Really, like, really important. Yeah, no, thank you. It looks like I might have to, there's a rhyme and a reason for us being here in space, but I learned a lot about the homeless situation, which I wasn't aware of, so I was just thinking to myself, that might be something that I need to work on next. So thank you guys, because you just opened up my eyes to something that I didn't realize was affecting a story like that. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Um, that concludes our regular agenda. Is uh, Does anyone in the audience wish to speak to the council? If not, this meeting is adjourned. Mayor, I believe, aren't you going to recess to executive yeah. session? Uh, yes. So you need to actually, rather than adjourn it, recess right. to. We will recess to executive session. Okay, we are back from the executive session and we uh, will be uh, evaluating the uh, city manager, the city attorney, and the municipal judge. Uh, so that process will begin. The meeting is adjourned.